Last week we began a new series uh, focusing on how we, as uh, God's children, bear witness to His kingdom. And as we consider how we are bearing witness to God's kingdom, the reality is it is a shift of focus from perhaps what we thought bearing witness looked like years ago. Uh, Maybe thoughts of evangelism and the way it was taught and talked about years ago maybe is not as effective today as it once was. Last week, we in particular talked about how we are all prepared to bear witness to Christ. Uh, It's not by theological education, right? It's not by knowing more. Uh, Instead, uh, we looked at a few stories in the New Testament, uh, starting with Acts 1, uh, verse 8. Justin, if you want to throw that up on the screen for me, I don't have the clicker this morning. Um, We focused in on some stories that followed a pattern where people receive the Holy Spirit, and it's the Holy Spirit that causes uh, us to become His witnesses. It's the Holy Spirit that's the preparation, along with us experiencing God's grace, that causes us to live and pushes us to live as witnesses of Christ. We looked at at the story of Jesus in his baptism, how he was, was receiving God's grace by being called God's son, one whom God was well pleased with, even though Jesus hadn't done anything yet. How Jesus received the Spirit and then began his public ministry, witnessing. We looked at Saul, how Saul, he knew all the things, but he didn't know Christ. And it wasn't until an experience of God's grace in Saul's life and the baptism and Holy Spirit that came after that that he became a witness for Christ. The Holy Spirit coming upon and us experiencing God's grace is all that it takes for us to become God's witness. So that's a, that's a shift, maybe. That's a shift of, of preparation, recognizing that there's, there's not a criteria or a curriculum that you have to go through to, to be a witness. Instead, it's, it's God's grace. And, and if you've experienced that, you, you've had enough experience to know what it's like to be God's witness. As we continue to consider what it means to be a witness for Christ, Perhaps you've thought of bearing witness to Christ as as you have to be God's salesman. That you need to convince people to follow Jesus. You know, maybe, maybe it's not just convincing people, but maybe that's why we, we put billboards up. That's why we, we put uh, advertising. Like, I don't know if you saw during the Super Bowl, there was this he gets us campaign using these methods that we would normally say would be used for sales as an opportunity for evangelism. 
Maybe, too, you've walked by and seen people um, on the street corner being God's salesman, so to speak. I like to call him bullhorn guy. Bullhorn guy, usually with a sign, trying to tell people that they're kind of damned to hell and that they need to come and, and follow Jesus, and then, then they will be saved. I remember one time, uh, it's tulip time, I think, right now in Pella, Iowa, as well as in Holland. And the first time I went to tulip time in Pella, Iowa, when Emily took me there, there was a bullhorn guy. There was the, the square where everything for tulip time was was at, and right across the street from the square in a gas station, there was Bullhorn Guy. As the, the parades were going on, Bullhorn Guy was, was speaking into his bullhorn about how people were going to go to hell because they're sinners, and that the only way you can be saved is through Jesus. You know, I don't know how many, how many people Bullhorn Guy talked to that day that, that that became saved, but I don't know if Bullhorn Guy were looking at evangelism as a, 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 a thing to be sold to people is really the best method forward. Would anybody in the world really feel that God loved them if you're shouting in a bullhorn at them that they're sinful and that they're going to hell. I don't know. I just don't think it's... I don't think fire insurance is what we're after. I'm sure you have fire insurance on your house, but salvation as fire insurance is not, is not where we're going to be going. So... We're going to look at a story this morning of Jesus in the book of Luke and see how it was that Jesus was bearing witness to God's kingdom and what we can learn from that. So it'll be Luke chapter 19. You can find that on page 852 if you grab one of those black Bibles in front of you. Otherwise, feel free to uh, grab uh, your phone if you use that. And we're going to read... Uh, verses 1 through 10 this morning. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once, and he welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, look, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. 
Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. If we look at that first verse, we see that Jesus was just passing through. Jesus had an agenda for his day, and staying in Jericho wasn't in the agenda. He was just planning on passing through, heading off to a different place. I I think the example of passing through could also be considered when you have a flight that has a couple connection points where you got to get off one plane and get on another. If you're trying to get to Orlando, you're probably just going to pass through Chicago on the way to Orlando. Or you're probably going to pass through Atlanta or a major hub on the way to where you're going. You don't plan on staying at that place where you have a connection point. You plan on just passing through, and that's what Jesus was doing. He was going from one place to Jerusalem, and to get to Jerusalem, he just needed to pass through to go by Jericho. No intention of staying, and yet, what we find is that Jesus was open to having his agenda for the day altered. He, he wasn't just looking down at his feet as he was walking through the town. No, he had his eyes open and he was noticing what was going on. And as Jesus was noticing, just before the passage we read, Jesus noticed a man outside of Jericho. Jesus showing this willingness to alter his plans to, to heal this man, to call him over and to heal him. And now, as Jesus is passing through Jericho, he once again notices. Notices the man in the tree, Zacchaeus. Jesus adjusts his plans once again moving his agenda to the side and saying, I need to go to this man's house. Perhaps you think about people that you would willingly adjust your schedule for. There are people you often maybe have a pre-established relationship with they call you up and say, can we go out for coffee today? You might say, yeah, because you know and you care about that person. Conversely, you probably know people that you wouldn't adjust your schedule for. But here, you see Jesus not really knowing Zacchaeus, and yet adjusting his schedule to go to Zacchaeus' house. You know, there's, there's times where maybe we put the agenda of our day primary and where we should reality, in reality, be open to however God will 
adjust our agenda, adjust our schedule to see his purposes come to life. For Zacchaeus, no one would have adjusted their schedule for him. He was a hated guy. Nobody in town liked him because he was the chief tax collector. And yet, Jesus, Jesus notices the people who are overlooked and says, I need to build a relationship with you. If we look at verse 5, we see what Jesus does. He reached the spot and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. Jesus, I want to point something out here. Jesus is the uninvited guest that just invites himself over. Maybe you know those people that just invite themselves over to your house. Well, Jesus did it, so they're following his footsteps. Zacchaeus wasn't planning on hosting anybody. Jesus hadn't planned on staying in town, and now Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus' house, a house that nobody really wanted to go to. And now Jesus is going to head there and have dinner with Zacchaeus. Jesus is going to spend time with him. And because Jesus is going to Zacchaeus' house, that means Zacchaeus is setting the agenda for the evening. It's Zacchaeus who is functioning as the host, and Jesus is functioning as a guest. An uninvited guest, but still a guest. And as Jesus meets people, we see that he meets them where they are. He seeks them out, and he meets them wherever they are in their life. to to get to know them. Jesus, he isn't bullhorn guy here. Jesus doesn't take out his bullhorn standing by that tree and say, Zacchaeus, you're such a sinner and nobody likes you. No. He says, let me come to your house. I want to build a relationship with you. I want to get to know you for who you are. In the process, you're going to get to know me. And yet, in this passage, we do see a bullhorn guy. If we we go to verse 7, I think I got that up here. All the people that saw what Jesus did began to mutter, Take out that bullhorn. Jesus is going to be the guest of a sinner. Not focusing on what God could do with Zacchaeus. If Zacchaeus was made aware of God's kingdom and in God's grace, no. Bullhorn guy. He looks at people as the sum of the worst things that they've done in their life. And nothing more. Bullhorn guy doesn't see an opportunity for God's grace to come into someone's life when they focus on what they have done in their life to be called sinful. 
And unfortunately, I think in our society, we often maybe are more like bullhorn guy. Where even some well-meaning Christians begin to see people as the sum of the worst things that they've done in their life. Or maybe the sum of the worst things that I've done in my life. I think it's evidenced in how a big deal can be made about something someone said 25 years ago when they were 16. And then it comes known, and, and then all of a sudden it needs to be on the media and in the news and, and, and degrade someone and what they've become now because of what they were before. But that's, that's not really how we believe grace works, and that's not really how we believe God We believe that when we experience God's grace, when we experience the power of Christ, that God takes all of those things that we did when we were 16, 25, maybe it was 44, maybe it was just last week and you're 87, I don't know. But he takes all of those things and he covers them over. He's not going to go and, and bring them back up and show you this list and say, you're a bad person. He covers them over. He meets us right where we were, right where we are, just like Jesus is meeting Zacchaeus right where he is. Recognizing that God's life honors by way of Jesus, was meant to cause transformation in our lives today. Jesus seeing all people, Zacchaeus and others, as image bearers of God, people that he wants to get to know. And and the same goes for us, that God wanted to get to know us because we're his image bearers in the same way that we get to know others, our neighbors, maybe people we call friends now, those gas station employees, where we begin to know who they are, to learn their names, and maybe a little bit about their families. Where we have relationships without an agenda. Because if if we're to have relationships with people, we, we don't make an agenda. The only reason I'm friends with you is so that you can become a Christian. That's not a, that's not a genuine relationship. And that's not what Jesus is doing here either. He's building a relationship with no agenda. Building a relationship that isn't a project. And he, and he calls us to live in that same way. I'm going to share a, a story. A couple weeks ago, maybe it was a month ago now, uh, Mike Dykema, James, and Audrey and I met in my office. It was a part of uh, Audrey's profession of faith, meeting with a, a couple elders. 
And after talking with Audrey for a little bit, uh, James, I'm going to become teary here. I don't know. Uh, James was sharing a little bit about what he loved about Princeton. And he said, actually, I'm going to preface what he said with a text message I received from him. February 23, 2019, he said this. He, sh- he shared a little bit about Bullhorn Guy, uh, but a little bit about something else, too. He said, hey, I just wanted to tell you that I really appreciate your sermons and how open and friendly you are. I was raised in the Christian Reformed Church, and I always had the older fire and brimstone type messages. When I got older and moved out of my parents' house, I turned away from church for quite a while. I was very nervous and not sure about coming back to church when I first started going to Princeton. But I feel really at home there. I'm glad I kept going to church. And you fast forward from this text message in 2019 to, to him with Mike and I and Audrey. He said, He once again shared how he was so nervous about coming back to church, but how he met Harvey and Mike, and how they never brought up the past or wondered about, well, you know, where were you the last 20 years, or what were you doing, or what were you thinking? No, he he said, they welcomed me, not worrying about my past. They got to know me for who I was today. Harvey and Mike, way to not be bullhorn guy. Princeton, way to not be bullhorn guy. A place where people can come for who they are, that they can have relationships at the center that they can experience, and that we each can experience God's grace together each and every day. What started with Loretta first coming to Princeton resulted in James feeling welcome at Princeton, resulted in Audrey feeling welcomed at Princeton, professing her faith, and being baptized. The Lord's grace evident when we make relationships the focus. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your testimony of grace. How because of our relationship with you, that you see us as valuable and that you see us as a child, as your child. Work within each of us that we, that we too could focus on developing relationships with you at the center. That people may experience your grace, that people may experience your peace, And that people would experience the feeling of being valued. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
as we come to the table now, we have the opportunity to remember God's work on the cross and God's work in our life that God said to each 